alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the... 53rd Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing doing great, buddy. How about yourself? <laughs> well, I just found out I am a quote-unquote essential employee, so that's great, I guess. I guess I'm a, uh, uh, what do they call it? I'm a, a bullet or I'll take a bullet on the front lines here, apparently, for a job that's not essential at all. It's okay. Our blue collars are made out of Kevlar. Yeah, so. I get. <laughs> apparently, the blue collar workers in the world are the only ones who fucking uh, will be susceptible or whatever. But uh, but yeah, how's uh, how's uh, life been treating you? It's good. Uh, still going to work for the time being. So I'm actually kind of happy about that because I usually I always have three day weekends because of my hours at work and. I uh, was shut in for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday last week, and I was fucking starting to hear some voices and starting to go a little stir crazy. So happy to go to work on Monday. So oh, you've been getting cabin fever already. Yeah, three days of it. So mm. I mean, it is nice the first day and a half just to be you know shut in, don't see anybody. But then after a little bit, you're kind of like, oh okay, I want to go out to the bar. I want to go to you know eat at a restaurant, see people. So. <laughs> You know what I say? No, you're listening out there, Gordon Ramsay. Donate <laughs> some money to us so we can be shut-ins but have money to be properly uh, uh, entertained while we're being shut-in. So, Yeah, seeing the uh, the whole restaurant situation basically hit the shitter, we might have to start a fund for Gordon Ramsay. So <laughs> you might want to save those pennies. I don't know. I, I saw on Reddit today... Uh, because of the coronavirus, I've been paying a lot of attention to Reddit because people always post like the the you know whatever headlines about it. And on there was him dressed as an old man, like doing an undercover boss thing. It's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah huh. they actually, you know, most of the undercover bosses they just make them look like a fucking like '90s grunge band member or something when they go into their own companies, but. Uh, he actually looked like a really old man. I don't think anybody could tell it was even him. What happens when Gordon Ramsay dresses up like a dishwasher, but sees one of his cooks doing something wrong, and then throws an entire tray of fucking chicken cutlets at them? <laughs> <laughs> they immediately know, like, oh shit, that's Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I mean, I would assume by his yelling, they'd probably be able to tell it was him, right? That'd be great if, like, the supervisor he got put under fired him in, like, an hour and a half. It's like, <laughs> you cannot treat human, other human beings like that. I don't know who the fuck you think you are. Generally, uh, the dishwasher remains pretty quiet in a restaurant. So, uh, sir, I don't know why you're raising your voice so much. Yeah. What was that great uh, documentary about the, the kitchen staff, that movie? Ah, uh, uh, yes. Uh, waiting. The, waiting. Yeah, waiting. Where the where the dishwasher like smoked cigarettes and gave like fucking psychological advice to all of his <laughs> crazy fucking transient employees that he worked with. Is it waiting or is it like still waiting or is it Still Waiting was the horrible sequel. Ah, okay. So it's just waiting? Just waiting. Yeah. It was funny. The first time I watched it, I was like literally in my mind I'm like, Jesus, this really reminds me of our first jobs where you and I both worked. Working in that fucking dirty kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I never worked for like an Applebee's or like a Chili's, which that's kind of making fun of. But uh, I am i can't imagine it's that much different. No. Well, the first half of our uh, Mabe's experience was great. And then all of those actual transients started working there. Then it got a little, uh, little fishy. You know, uh, did I tell you all those are closed down except for the original one, I think? I imagine fucking a health inspector who wasn't getting paid under the table probably 
<laughs> one fucking step in that place and shut it uh, down. You, yeah, I can. For all those out there, I guarantee they're paying off a health inspector because that place was fucking dirty. Oh, hold on one second. Allegedly, there allegedly, you go. okay. Allegedly, okay. For everything I just said, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. They're uh, they're dead in the water anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah, actually, I was gonna say something really quick. Have you heard? The news, I saw on a news story this morning that apparently Walmart is claiming their actual, like, sales of, like, their professional clothes. They're selling out of their tops, but their bottoms, like pants and, you know, the bottom half of people's clothes, they're not selling anymore. And apparently it's because of all of the working from home and uh, the webcams. People aren't worried about what their pants are anymore. Okay. I mean, if I was allowed to work from home, I certainly... Would probably wear a comfortable bottom and then just a nice top. Yeah, if I was one of those white collar type folks, I would definitely nice shirt up top and then just maybe pajama bottoms or boxes on the bottom. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> well, Phil, I think it's time to move on to Pauline Bennett's World of the Unusual. So uh, we got a few quick stories here. Let's start off with UFO terrorizes uh fishing boat crew so this could be fun i don't know why they'd be picking on a fishing boat uh the crew of a fishing boat was terrorized by a ufo that made repeated passes at their ship before plunging into the ocean in a cloud of steam now it's ironic because i'm sure you've heard it before that ufos like are using seawater to like power themselves yes i have okay so that's making heavy water So Captain Raul Martinez told authorities that the gleaming white spaceship swooped low across the bow of his ship as he fished about 30 miles off off the village of Santa Cruz, Argentina. Uh, Astoundingly, the UFO made no noise, just the rush of the wind after several low-level passes at the ship. The UFO uh, slowed and settled to the ocean and gently disappeared beneath the surface in a cloud of strange colored steam. So that is a pretty interesting story, I have to say. Yeah, so that's pretty fucking crazy. I mean, maybe the aliens had like a thing for halibut and they're really just like trying to get some good cooking in there. (laughs) You think you can catch halibut off the uh, coast of Argentina? No, I just, I was just saying that. I don't know. Maybe, well, there is cold water down there. So, yeah, I was going to say, maybe halibut live in the north and the south. I was going to say, I definitely remember in Alaska, that was like, if you could catch a halibut, that was like the fucking fish you wanted to catch. But they had to be in like really deep, really cold ocean water. So, yeah, I hear that most of like the prize fish that people actually want, like the big tuna and the halibut, they get taken up by like the commercial fishermen. Ah. That's not I heard it's nice. really hard to catch, like, just you out there at the pole, I heard it's really hard to catch those fish. Yeah, I think you have to pay a fucking charter ship or whatever to help you, like, catch them. That was how it was in Alaska, anyway. Yeah, especially to wrangle those big motherfuckers in, too. <laughs> I just remembered how large those things are. They're, like, the size of a fucking Honda. And they are possibly the ugliest goddamn fish ever. Oh, yeah, I had no idea how fucking weird-looking tuna were. Ugh, yeah. Anyway, let me read this other one real quick, because it it actually is kind of funny. Gold rings can cause cancer. Okay, that's the title of it. Many Americans may be wearing gold rings that are radioactive and can cause cancer. Uh, The U.S. Public Health Service says it has learned that a large quantity of radioactive gold meant to be used in cancer treatment almost 50 years ago, has been made into rings. <laughs> Most of the contaminated gold is to believe to be in the Northeast, officials say, when the use of radioactive gold was discontinued as a cancer treatment years ago, the gold found its way into the hands of jewelry or jewelers. Unaware of the danger, the jewelers used the deadly gold to make the rings, which were bought by unsuspecting customers. Uh, through the years, the Public Health Service says people who have thought an allergy was was the cause of skin disorders on their fingers uh, were actually suffering from radioactive poisoning. Okay, Jesus. Um, that okay, I can honestly say that's interesting because 
I have heard that before. People are like wearing a ring or something and they get like a fucking, uh, you know, abrasion or rash on there. And they're like, I think I'm allergic to gold or something. So that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really weird. I've, I mean, I imagine the entire state of New Jersey would just pretty much glow in the dark. I hear yeah. it a lot with like silver. Like, I feel like people really have skin allergies to like silver. So I don't know if they use that in cancer treatment too. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a type of person that wears jewelry at all. Um, I have heard that if you don't have like, if you have a ring that's not made out of like pure gold, if it's cut down with a lot of uh, copper, It'll turn your finger green. I've heard that yeah. before. I mean, yeah, that I mean that makes sense. That's just like corrosion. But uh, anyway, let me do the uh, prediction for the week, and then we'll get on to the uh, the meat and potatoes here. So, Madam Bennett's prediction for the week is the hottest show of the next TV season will be a romantic series based on the life of a famed psychic. Kind of sounds like she wishes. <laughs> They would make a show about her, but is she also like passing out a screenplay to everyone <laughs> while she tells them this prediction? Like, are you a producer of film and television? Well, I have a great prediction for you and this and then just plops it down. You know, after us reading her stuff every week, I'm starting to wonder if she actually even is a real person or if it's just like a column character they put in there. It could be written by like two or three people. At like a newspaper. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, Phil. Same, oh. The same people who do horoscopes. <laughs> anyway, Phil, uh, why don't you take over the reins and lead us into this week's uh, conspiracy? All right. Well, you know, I was doing some research for this week's conspiracy, and I kind of realized that if you type into conspiracy into Google, some very weird and very current things are starting to pop up. Oh, yeah. So I, tried, I decided to do a little bit on the lighter note. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of a Mississippi Valley town called New Madrid, Missouri? Um, I don't think so. I know where Madrid is, but I've never heard of New Madrid. All right. So on December 16th, 1811, an earthquake of 7.2 to 8.2 magnitude struck the small town of New Madrid in what would eventually be the state of Missouri. Interesting. Okay. Later that day... An aftershock, estimated to be 7.4 in magnitude, also struck the same area. Now, the two events were the largest earthquakes ever recorded in the continental United States, east of the Rocky Mountains. Now, is that at the time? No, that's... Ever? Uh, ever. Really? Yeah. Why did I... Th east, east, did... Of the, east of the Rocky Mountains. Ah, okay. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we've heard of eight or nine before. Yeah, definitely, um, like, the Pacific Coast has experienced earthquakes of that magnitude since then. But this is east of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, I guess – I are you, the, are you the type that throws Missouri into the Midwest? I would say they are part of the southern Midwest. Okay. Along uh, with, like, you know, maybe Illinois – Parts of Illinois, parts of Kentucky, and parts of Tennessee. The problem is, part like Tennessee and Kentucky seep on into the South. So yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like Missouri. You know, obviously we're from Iowa, and you start getting pretty far south in Iowa, and somehow magically they have are starting to get Southern accents. And obviously Missouri's like below Iowa, so I don't know. Yeah, the whole northern and southern Midwest thing. This is kind of my deal. I think the whole northern and southern Midwest line actually runs inside of like Iowa. So I don't consider Iowa like one state. It's like <laughs> it's actually like four different states because those all all four parts of Iowa are very different. So oh yeah, it's Definitely. funny because I would say Minnesota could be qualified as that, but you basically have. Uh, so I'd say from. Central down is pretty much pretty much northern Iowa or whatever. And then anything up above there, you're basically like hillbilly Canadians. That's kind of the best way I could describe them. <laughs> Otherwise known as people from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for the residents of New Madrid and the surrounding area, this event would have felt like the end of the world as earthquakes were not known to occur in this area, especially in that time uh, being... You know, they hadn't lived there for very long, but 
no one really in America at that time had felt earthquakes. Really? Well, I mean, America was pretty, pretty young in 1811. But uh, this was all part of the Louisiana Purchase at the time. So did they, did they understand what an earthquake was? Well, I mean, most of them knew, I imagine, what an earthquake was. I doubt any of them had ever really felt it. Right. This is it. I feel like I've heard of this particular earthquake before, but um, for some reason in my mind, Kansas always comes into mind. But uh, anyway, continue. Yeah. Two more large earthquakes happened after the original December 16th event uh, in the next year, 1812. They occurred on January 23rd and February 7th. Both were about the same magnitude as the original aftershock that occurred later that day on December 16th. And about 2,000 more earthquakes occurred in the area between December 1811 and March 1812. 2,000 more? Yeah, there's an estimated, because those are just kind of, like, it's what people reported. There's, the number is much larger, but confirmed it's about 2,000 more. Jesus, that is a lot. I did see numbers that said between six to 10,000. Jeez. But this is the number I found most was 2,000. So I didn't want to go like overboard and give the, the max estimate. I don't even think John Cusack had to deal with that many in the documentary uh, 2012. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, God. What was that was the uh, where Hawaii was burning when he tried to fly the plane in. Right. And then China magically appeared like 15 miles away from Hawaii. Was that was that in all I remember that from that movie is Woody Harrelson, him driving through like the earth literally splitting apart, and then uh, all the rich people in those weird boats and or subs or whatever, and then them finding out that Africa is the only continent that didn't get destroyed. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Woody Harrelson part of that movie was great. He uh, yeah. it was great character play acting. Of course, it was probably just the director going, hey, Woody, just kind of say your lines, but act like yourself. <laughs> Here's a bunch of weed. There you go. <laughs> That's all you need to get uh, Woody into his uh, his acting. <laughs> into whatever character you want. <laughs> so these residents would have been treated to the sounds of thunder coming up from the ground as the previously settled soil banged together and created a low roar. The breaking apart of the trees and the whole forest along with reports of loud sounds from all of the animals in the area as they scurried for safety, was supposedly deafening. Oh, wow. I could imagine. Yeah. The land is reported to have rippled like water, and the river jumped up out of its banks like a, quote, loaf of rising bread as the earth underneath jetted upwards. So would have that, you think that would have created almost like a... I don't know if it's a lake or if it's like a river, but like a mini tsunami. Well, yeah, I mean, it did cause uh, the river to do some weird things, which I'll get into in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. The affected areas of the current states of Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Illinois, and Kentucky were all basically, if there had been the populations living there today, back then, they would have been absolutely devastated by this. Really? It just destroyed all of that area yeah well i mean along with the what happened to the soil what happened to the river and the shaking of the old buildings it would have been very much so the entire town of new madrid and towns around it were completely destroyed damn do you know how big uh new madrid kind of was at this point was it pretty small was it pretty big it it was a pretty small settlement Uh, there there was people just moving there who from uh, like settlers from the United States who were coming into the new Louisiana Purchase Territory. Okay, interesting. The shaking was felt between the Rocky Mountains and the East Coast and between southern Canada and northern Mexico. So because of like the composition of the ground and the fact that there weren't a lot of mountains to get in the way of the shaking, they felt it all over um, like most of the United States. From that far away. Yeah, the shaking was felt in the, on the East Coast. The highest population density, of course, at the time was the East Coast, where the church bells rang throughout Boston. 
and shaking was also felt in New York City, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., where President James Madison and his wife Dolly are reported to have felt it inside the White House. And Dolly is the one who's famous for saving the portrait of George Washington just before the White House went up in flames in 1814. Did you just say this was the first time James Garfield's wife had an orgasm? Yeah, it was James <laughs> Madison, but it might have been. Yeah. Honestly, if you look at the the portrait of her that I saw on the web, uh, you, you, her her better days were a little bit behind her. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like every woman in America uh, first felt the first vibration. They're like, "Ooh, what is this?" <laughs> what you mean is just doesn't uh, getting stuck in and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you mean he doesn't just stick it in and then I and then cries afterwards? What is this? Thank you, Mother Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, this was this was actually like, I mean, because of uh, the area that this was in, it, obviously that was strange enough. But because we usually get earthquakes that are in um, like land that is made up different differently, usually of like more volcanic soil, there was a lot of really weird things that happened with, with this event. So some of the strange events that occurred because of the earthquake uh, made for what felt like a really like apocalyptic scene in the area of uh, the New Madrid Fault. I can't, so the first thing, what's that? Oh, I was going to say, I could only imagine like way back then, people probably literally believed that it was the end of the world, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially how super religious people were. Oh, God. Can you imagine being like, oh, my God, God's punishing us and he's going to split the fucking earth in half? Yeah. And especially, too, there's like we all have at least some education. Like we all know, like if we see an earthquake and there's a fissure in the ground, you kind of know what it is. Like these people probably only went to like what the eighth grade back then if they were lucky. (laughs) I mean, a lot of them could, you know, they could read and write, but most of them were just church going folk who worked on farms or had little businesses i mean i think eighth grade might be a little generous for 1812 yeah i i was just thinking about that like can they even count to eight they might even (laughs) (laughs) they might not have even had eighth grade because it's all probably one room schoolhouses in this area so well they're probably like well how old are you in eighth grade like you're like 13 14 I would assume by that age, if you weren't married and started having children, they assumed you were dried up. Married on your fourth kid. Yeah. Probably, probably underwater on your fucking tin shack. You ain't got time to be going to fucking school till you're 13 or 14. Are you insane? Yeah, that's true. So one of the weird things, and the first thing I'm going to mention, there were fissures that opened up in the ground running north and south that stretched for miles And these occurred over the months between December 1811 and March 1812. Many of the deaths, actually, that occurred during this time period came from people disappearing as they fell into the fissures. Damn. I could just imagine these people are like, man, he just fell into hell or something. Oh, yeah, especially when they see fucking fissures opening up. And that's the kind of shit you hear about in the Bible. Yeah. When Satan comes up and, you know takes your fucking soul hey use his proper name barry satiro <laughs> good old barack obama <laughs> with his horns and his fucking trying to come up so the second weird thing that i'm going to mention after the last large earthquake in february of 1812 parts of the earth jetted upwards including land underneath the mississippi river as i previously mentioned this occurred 15 miles south of the town of new madrid And it caused large portions of the river to actually run backwards for a short amount of time. So it kind of made, are you saying like almost like a, I don't know what you'd call like a peninsula or like a hill kind of from uh, forming land? Yeah, well, the, the land actually jetted upwards from the pressure underneath and the river that was running over it actually ran backwards. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. This caused temporary waterfalls uh, in the areas that were affected by the river running backwards, and it caused rerouting of parts of the rivers itself. It also caused a formation, like you were mentioning, of Real Foot Lake, which drowned a Native American settlement in what is now known as Lake County, Tennessee. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, not all that water had to find some place to go. 
and it formed a lake in a lowland area. It also took out like wide acres of untouched forest. But I mean, Tennessee's pretty far from Missouri, right? No. Well, all of those states, this, so the Mississippi River is the border of Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, Tennessee, and uh, Kentucky. So they're all on the border. That whole area that this occurred, they all intersect pretty much right there. Mm, okay. I think Tennessee's more to the east of it, or pretty, I think it's a fair distance to the east of it, though. Well, no, the western border of Tennessee is on the eastern border of Missouri. Mm, okay. Yeah, I guess you're probably right, because when I went to Tennessee, I guess we did drive through St. Louis, which is in Missouri. Yeah, it's it's just a really long state, but not a very like tall state, like very <laughs> wide, not very tall. So have you ever heard anybody referred to uh, Arkansas as Ark Kansas? I assume anyone who calls it Ark Kansas probably isn't that well, like a reader, you know, maybe they only also went to eighth grade. (laughs) Oh, God, that always made me laugh. Like they call it Arkansas. But if you look at how it's spelled, it kind of looks like Ark Kansas or Arkansas. Arkansas. Maybe I have it wrong. Maybe they're readers, but they're not like, you know, they didn't go to school and learn it. They just read it in a book. So they call it Arkansas. They didn't complete the eighth grade, like 1812 education. Yeah. 1812 education where you probably had religion class three hours a day, kind of like ours. (laughs) How else are you supposed to learn anything? That's true. (laughs) So the third weird occurrence that happened because of the New Madrid earthquakes Large sand boils occurred in the affected areas, the largest being 1.4 miles long and about 136 acres across. And this is located about eight miles west of Haiti, Missouri. And I definitely said that wrong, so I'm sorry. It's H-A-Y-T-I. I'm sure you're close enough. What the fuck is a sand boil? So that's just what I was about to say. A sand boil occurs when underground water is put under immense pressure and is forced up to the surface, and this brings up all the soil with it. So these sand boils actually look like the cone of a volcano, and they leave a crater in the middle where the sediment evacuated from. So if you imagine a volcano, but just replace all of the like the volcanic uh, soil with sand, that's basically just what it is. It's all of that sand rushing up from underground and then forming a hill around the spout. Huh. Interesting. I, I'm i assuming it's kind of a rare occurrence, right? Well, it does happen with earthquakes. So these happen wherever there's like sandy areas and an earthquake. So all along like the, the West Coast, like I'll talk about later, the San Francisco earthquakes, they have sand boils there too in the sandy areas along the beach. Hmm, interesting, okay. Never heard of those before. Yeah, and this sand boil that occurred uh, in Missouri is actually the largest one on Earth. Really? So, is it like like if someone, for some reason, wanted to visit Missouri, could they see this thing still? Yeah, you can. if you are up in an airplane, you can still see it. I mean, it's so big, you have to be in an airplane to see the whole thing. Huh, interesting. Unless there is some kind of high point around it, but I didn't really see anything about that. The only pictures I saw of it were taken from, like, above ground, like, aircraft. Hmm. I might have to look that up after this. Yeah, so the weird thing about these is just how long they last. These sand boils actually tell us about the events of more distant, in the past, earthquakes. Sand boils have been discovered from 1450 AD, 900 AD, 380 and 2350 BC in that area, which tells you how long earthquakes have been occurring there. Yeah. Hmm. Did Jesus make any of them? I'm not sure <laughs> if either Jesus, Barry Satiro, or Gordon Ramsay, or Paul Hogan, who I think we should start talking about, <laughs> may have also created these. I'm pretty sure they're just earthquakes. To be fair, we don't know which one of those characters is the oldest known living one of them. So. I'm not really sure if Jesus, Barry Sotero, Gordon Ramsay, or Paul Hogan. I don't know who's older. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I don't know. Vegemite might preserve your insides. That could happen. <laughs> so the fourth and final 
weird occurrence are these strange lights that were seen coming from the ground by the inhabitants of the area, which would have seemed like some kind of weird paranormal incident to the high religious people of the time. And that was both the American settlers and the Native Americans. Okay, so what exactly would these strange lights look like? So the strange lights are actually attributed to quartz crystals being squeezed by the same underground pressure that caused the sand boils. This event is called, I'm going to say this very wrong, seismoluminescence. Okay, all right. Interesting. I've never... So it's just like the earth compressing them causes them to kind of illuminate. Yeah, apparently earth, when the earth compresses these quartz crystals, they just kind of explode in light. Really? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So the area that was affected by the rupturing of the New Madrid fault zone at the time was, as you can imagine, extremely sparsely populated. However, the U.S. Geological Survey estimates that if another massive earthquake could occur... It might occur in the next 50 years with the odds of about 7 to 10%. And that would be basically on the same size of the New Madrid Fault. So somewhere in the 7 to 8 magnitude region. The risk of a smaller 6 magnitude earthquake in the next 50 years is 25 to 40%. If that, So if another one did happen, theoretically, I would I should be able to feel it here in Minnesota, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. You wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be like enough to knock your house down, but definitely it would, you know, shake some pictures off of the table and, you know, Hmm. you would feel it. It would be like you would feel the rumbling a little bit. So, like, technically, the uh, sense has there been an has there been another earthquake in this area or the area of Missouri since that really, really large one? I believe there has been, but they've been like extremely small. Okay. Like they haven't been anywhere near the magnitude of the 1811-1812 earthquakes. Okay. All right. Makes sense. They're just tiny little tremors. Okay. This event, if it happened today, would affect a now highly populated Mississippi River area and would affect major cities such as St. Louis, Memphis, possibly reaching as far away as Nashville and Kansas City. Not to mention all of the towns and cities that are in between. Mm, maybe that's why the Rams left. Could have been. <laughs> well, to L.A. Yeah, well, I don't think they're worried about earthquakes if they're moving to L.A. That's a good point. <laughs> they might have moved to fucking, well, who knows, somewhere safer. Maybe they'd move to fucking, uh, what's another shitty little town out there? Albuquerque. Albuquerque? There you go. <laughs> you got worried about getting shot out in Albuquerque. <laughs> Did you they see- got good meth, though, supposedly. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the Rams' new logo? Oh, the one that looks like a dick. Yeah, yeah I saw that one. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. There was a really famous uh, football player. I think his last name's uh, Dickerson, but he wanted to get the logo changed. He's a former Rams player. He actually like started a little movement to change the the Rams logo. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the uh, single season uh, rushing record holder. Eric Dickerson. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. He's he played at the University of Houston. Mm, yeah, he's pretty. Uh, he's pretty good. Yeah. So my second event that I'm going to go over today is the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Now, I'm a little more familiar with this one. Yeah, a lot. this one was pretty devastating, and it happened to a highly populated area back before their construction codes were really good. So <laughs> on April 18th, 1906, the residents of the city of San Francisco felt the shaking from a devastating earthquake, estimated to be anywhere from 7.9 to 8.3 on the Richter scale. I should say for this one and the one before, the New Madrid, the Richter scale hadn't actually been invented for a few more decades after 1906. So it definitely, the 1811 one was also like an estimate of what they believe it would be on the Richter scale. Okay. I, I said, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming by the damage, they could probably estimate how big it was. Yeah. By the damage and how, like what people, like the stories they told about it, the shaking from the earthquakes caused many fires and eventually 
80% of the city of San Francisco was destroyed. It left about 3,000 people dead. Holy shit. God damn. Yeah. Damages were estimated at around $500 million in 1906 dollars. And that's about $14.37 billion in 2020 dollars. Well, at least Bezos could pay to repair it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to pay that. But he won't even pay his employees, so I don't think he'll pay for anything. He would probably overcharge the city to <laughs> rebuild it. No, I re- shake. Oh, what? What's that? I was gonna say I I remember talking about this particular earthquake because uh, on my other podcast, Bumblebutt Podcast, we talked about I can't remember the guy's name, but he was basically had this weird like sex cult. And when this particular earthquake occurred in uh, San Francisco, he claimed it was like him doing it, him commanding God, and he made him do that. Was it with his gyrating hips? Is that, <laughs> is that how he created the earthquake? He probably did. Let me tell you how hard I banged that chick last night. <laughs> <laughs> he was more into the getting naked and rolling on the ground. That was more of his thing. Oh, he had that weird fucking, uh, like, weird fetish things? Yeah. Yeah, okay. he's a weirdo. Yeah, so from this earthquake, the shaking could be felt from southern Oregon all the way down to Los Angeles, reaching as far east as central Nevada. Okay, so not so technically that's not quite as wide of a spread as the other one, though. No, it's not, but definitely, I mean, the ground makeup has something to do with how far it goes, and obviously the Rocky Mountains. You know, yeah. how thick the plates are. I don't know exactly how that works, but I know, like, mountain ranges kind of slow down the the, the the waves. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. Between 227,000 and 300,000 people were left homeless out of the population of about 410,000 from the city. God damn. So more than half yeah, were homeless. That, that's like almost uh, three quarters. And of those people who were left homeless half of which evacuated, and they fled outside to the Bay Area cities of Oakland and Berkeley, which I can't imagine weren't in much like, better shape. But I don't know. I, uh, were the Raiders there at this point? They're, in 1906, <laughs> no, the Raiders were not there at this point. Well, you know damn well Al Davis was there. No, I'm pretty sure if there were Oakland Raiders fans living in Oakland at the time, the San Francisco people would not have fled to Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> probably get stabbed <laughs> no no it's fine i'll just i'll just go back to my house it's on fire it's fine <laughs> so at first only a few hundred of the three thousand were reported dead however this number was false as the deaths of residents of the surrounding area were not counted in the initial death toll and the deaths in the area of chinatown were flat out ignored seems about right for uh early 1900s yeah especially for i mean it's pretty well, you know, I, we've talked about it in this podcast, how the uh, the Chinese population was treated by America, yeah. the Asian population, I should say. The craziest part, actually, that I found out about this whole story, the insurance companies actually paid out on the claims. Whoa, okay. Well, that's probably the craziest part of this entire story. Yeah, it actually had me pretty floored. Between two hundred and forty and two hundred and seventy million dollars worth of insurance claims were made. In today's money, that's between seven and seven point five billion dollars. Okay, so did they actually have that much money to be paying to people? I don't know how I don't even know if that fucking much money existed back then. But apparently they made those payments. So hmm. it happened. I wonder if they had to like borrow against the federal government or something. I don't know. Could have. It might. Well, I mean, who knows? There were a lot of banks that actually went out of business at that time because a lot of the money in their vaults were destroyed. So, ah, right. Yes, I can yeah. only actually. Imagine. I think that I think that's how Wells Fargo started was because he was like he set up a little table with some money and let out small business loans. Yeah, if you want to hear how horrible Wells Fargo is, watch the. Uh... First episode of the uh, new season of Dirty Money. Uh, please take your money away from them immediately. No, no. Now's the best time to have your money with them because they're not going to fuck you over for at least a decade. So that's that's why I'm keeping my money there. Ah, get it out of there. Go to a credit union, Phil. <laughs> I know. I probably should. I'm lazy as fuck, though. So. <laughs> 
So like we were just mentioning, this would be highly unusual if it occurred today that the insurance companies actually paid out. This was, however, because some of the fires that consumed the city were purposely set. So that is your conspiracy that they did this on purpose. Well, it's not really a conspiracy. It's It's been documented that some of these fires were set by the people. Let me tell you why. In today, just like back then, insurance companies would not pay for earthquake damage. However, they would pay for fire damage. So if someone had a building that was damaged by an earthquake, they would set fire to their destroyed building in order to collect the insurance. That way, they could tell the insurance companies, oh, look, no, see, it's fire damage. It's not earthquake damage. That is insanely smart, actually. Yeah, and this caused the more than 150 insurance companies that were involved to pay out on their claims. Interesting. Wow, okay. That's like... I mean, that's really, like I said, really, really smart. And I suppose at the time they didn't really have like an arson investigator or anything like that. No, they didn't. There's even stories of fire chiefs being told that if you go down this neighborhood, you're going to see people setting fire to their own buildings. <laughs> so it's, yeah, they uh, they knew it was happening. The only really, like the terrible thing is they basically burned down 80% of the city. I mean, mm, okay. those fires that they set didn't just burn down their own buildings. No. So are you saying you think most of the fires were caused by people? I don't know if most of the fires were caused by people, but some of the fires were definitely set mm. uh, on purpose by the residents. I mean, yeah, that makes sense because it seems like from all the stories I've heard around this time, for some reason, apparently America was just a lot more flammable. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything was made out of wood, you know. Uh, yeah. All of the fucking lighting was pretty much either coal or, you know, oil, like fucking whale oil, maybe. <laughs> so it's it's pretty, uh, pretty flammable, everything. It's true. Yeah. So because of the way that San Francisco had been populated and built... Uh, which came across from the gold rush of 1849, the city was built in a very rushed and crowded fashion, and it actually ballooned up in size up until the 1906 fires. The fires and earthquake that destroyed most of the city, including the haphazardly built downtown, allowed for a better planned and constructed city, which is the city that we actually see today. And it allowed for the subsequent mass migrations to the city that occurred in the 20th centuries. Mm, all the hippies moving in. Yep, all the hippies. There was a lot. There was a really high uh, post World War II immigration to San Francisco. Yeah, coming in from the Pacific. I mean, can you blame them? It's. I would oh, assume yeah. in all of the United States, California is probably the best weather of all of them. Yeah, and. I mean, you got to think, too, after World War II, a lot of those specific nations, uh, China, Japan, the Korea, it was one country at that time. They uh, they, they were pretty much destroyed by war. Yeah. So, they, especially Japan, obvious reasons. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. Pretty sure, yeah. Tokyo, I think, was pretty much just a burnt out cinder after World War II yeah. from all the firebombing. I, I think it's safe to say that, yes. Yeah. During the rebuilding of San Francisco, city planners had grand ideas and projects that they wanted to complete, which would cause an uproar among the landowners of the city, whose property underneath their burnt-out buildings were soon to be taken from them. Okay. Yeah, so the city also tried to remove the poorest people from the poorest areas of the city, and they also tried to move what is known as Chinatown out of the city, all the way to the edge of the county, in what might be called a forced gentrification nowadays. And this was to keep the Asia community still in the taxable area, but outside of city limits where no one could see them. Jesus, that's uh, kind of a dick move. Yeah, I also, there was a story of Orson Welles. He was visiting the United States at the time, and he heard people talking in the streets. I believe he was in New York City. From what I remember of the story, he was talking about people claiming that it was good that Chinatown would be was destroyed along with San Francisco to get them out of there. So there was a lot of anti-Asian American sentiment back then. Mm. However, 
the residents of Chinatown were actually able to stay within the city limits and rebuilt in a newer part of the city. Also good for them was the destruction of City Hall and the Hall of Records, which enabled thousands of Chinese immigrants to claim residency and citizenship, which created a backdoor to the Chinese Exclusion Act, and they were able to bring their family and relatives in from China. Okay, so I, I mean, that's headed in the right direction, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of shitty that they had to have the Hall of Records burned down just to yeah. claim citizenship. I mean, yeah. a lot of them probably were. There is a, a well, it's because of bias and racism towards Asian Americans. There were a lot of laws that were keeping even natural born uh, Asian Americans non citizens, and we talked about that a couple episodes ago. But yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, kind of really a shitty situation. But I mean, there were. It's horrible. There were so many people left homeless and so many people killed, but it's almost crazy to think if that hadn't happened, what San Francisco would look like today. Probably not uh, what it would not really what we think of it as right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it might the, the buildings might be more modern, but could you imagine like those tiny little streets, just like in England, those tiny little streets and you can barely get a fucking car down them and. <laughs> I know how Probably much you love like those. That. Yeah, I know how much you love those. Yeah, exactly. Driving around that fucking uh, truck that I had when I was out there. <laughs> so the third and final event that I'm going to cover is actually also taking place in San Francisco. The powerful earthquake that hit San Francisco was in 1989. And that happened at 5 o'clock p.m. on October 17th. 5.04 to be precise. That was when a magnitude 6.9 earthquake hit the Bay Area, killing 67 people and injuring more than 3,000. Jesus. Yeah. The earthquake was centered 60 miles south of the city and caused over $5 billion in damage. That's a good chunk of change. Yeah. And it's it's not quite as – it's not – the San Francisco earthquake from 1906 was like – caused $500 million. But in today's dollars, so $5 billion damage in 1989 dollars isn't exactly much more in today's dollars, but you got to think it's about eight to six billion dollars or eight to nine billion dollars in today's dollars. Okay. So 42 of the 67 deaths occurred when the two level Cypress Street viaduct along Interstate 880 collapsed. And this was a 1.25 mile stretch of road. That actually collapsed on top of the cars below. Oof. Yeah. This, uh, obviously, it's very famous. That It's pretty much like if you look up pictures of this event, you will see those pictures of the road actually on top of the cars. It's pretty, pretty fucking disturbing. Yeah. I, well, I mean, the uh, when the famous bridge here collapsed, the 35W bridge or whatever, it's uh, I think there's a lot of that, too. I mean, there's a smaller bridge, but uh, it basically just crumbled cars and the cars that were on it, you know, were all over the place and all that. Oh, yeah. That's crazy to think that like a modern bridge would collapse like that with not even like an earthquake or a tsunami. It just fucking fell down. Well, apparently uh, Minnesota, a lot of Minnesota bridges are rated pretty poorly and they just never maintain them. Yeah, maybe they had Wisconsin people build them for yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why they failed. We know a pretty famous Wisconsin Mason, so. No, yeah. I wouldn't I'm drive sure, on I'm shit. I'm sure he does a great job. I wouldn't drive on shit that he made, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so other sections of the city's roadways are also damaged, including some of the city bridges. And there's a lot of famous pictures of these, too. Um, pieces of bridges, basically the... Uh, like the lines that hold up the bridge, like falling down onto the bridge and cars below being crushed. Um, yeah, it's pretty, they got some pretty uh, crazy pictures, but it's a, obviously it happened in more of a modern era. So mm. there's a lot more helicopter image of everything. And what year was this? 1989. Okay. So not, not too long ago, what, 30 years ago. So yeah, about 31 years ago. Yeah. Not too long, not too long ago. No, definitely. So the earthquake was actually captured by live cameras because the game three of the World Series that year was between the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants and was being held at Candlestick Park. That game was set to start at 530 that day. 
just 26 minutes after the earthquake. So what side, what do you think Barry Sotero was an A's fan or a Giants fan when he set off that earthquake? Well, the Oakland A's actually swept the Giants that year. So I'm guessing if he had something to do with it, the Oakland A's, he's probably on their side. Because I imagine all like world champion sports teams, Barry Sotero's got his hand in it somehow. Okay, if it was 89, then that, that had to either be the Steve Young 49ers or the Joe Montana 49ers. I don't know. I think it might the be the Joe Steve Mon- Young. The Joe Montana. Was it the Joe Montana? I think that would have been in his last year or so. I'm pretty sure they, they won a Super Bowl around that one of those years. Yeah, I know Joe Montana. Didn't he win two? He won four. Oh, he won four? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't I remember the nineties Cowboys and the uh nineties forty niners were like the big rivalry. Um but I think I think that might have been a Joe Montana Super Bowl year. Oh, I have no idea. So I I just remember how good Dallas was. No, wait. The uh the Bills went to the Super Bowl in eighty nine and ninety. Because they went four years in a row and they lost four Super Bowls. Well, I know the Cowboys was 91, 92, and 94 with their Super Bowl. So uh, I th- I do think 89 was a 49ers. I think it was Washington and the Bills, but... It could be. It could be. Yeah, that's football. This was the baseball game. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, the point was, is that why is there so many California teams, I thought, in there, and then this event happened? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's so Jerry because- Jones. Well- What's that? It was probably Jerry Jones doing it. Could have been. <laughs> He's pissed, pissed that uh, his football team didn't make it to the baseball world championship. <laughs> I want my team everywhere. <laughs> so because of the clash of the Bay Area teams in the soon to start game three, many of the people who would have actually been on the roads during the rush hour traffic uh, were obviously at home watching the coverage, getting ready to watch the game. So this meant that there was a lot less people injured than if they had been basically like on their way home or on the way out to eat at the time. Really? Wow. Yeah. So it was a really, I mean, there was a lot of people who died, but you can, you can figure out that 69 people died in this earthquake in 1989, 3000 people died in 1906. So, I mean, obviously the buildings were made much better. Roads were also you know, everything, all of the concrete had steel, like, retrofitting in it, so. hmm hmm Makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, this wasn't really a conspiracy episode. I just kind of wanted to go into some of the more tragic events in uh, U.S. history. So, so do you I don't know. There's not really any conspiracy for me to end this on to ask you about, but. here. Well, uh, let me say two things. First off, I quickly Googled 89. It was the 49ers. Beating the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals went to a Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. It, okay, quick tangent. So, basically, the story is is that, okay, Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh was the coach for the 49ers when they won all those Super Bowls. Well, his apprentice or whatever was ended up being the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And then the Cincinnati Bengals were super good. And they met in the Super Bowl. And it was like the mentor versus the fucking apprentice or whatever. But anyway, oh. yeah, so the uh, yeah, the 49ers won. So there's another thing for California happening that year. Um, are, are these coaches still around? Because maybe the Bengals, they could hire him and just try, try to go back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, I, Bill Walsh is dead. I don't know about <laughs> I his, know. <laughs> uh, his other guy. But anyway, uh, so when we're talking about all these crises or whatever uh, world event or us events i guess do you think that you know a lot of people go into the conspiracy and allegedly nostradamus predicted that uh you know there could be another really large earthquake say you know you always hear people saying california is going to break off or whatever uh but now that you bring up kind of the midwest do you think the world is due for a huge earthquake, or do you think it's just it could happen at any time and we can't predict the earth kind of thing? Well, when it comes to the like the New Madrid fault, from the times that I told you like the boils, um, the sand boils rose up, it looks like it happens every like three to five hundred years. 
So okay. I think that we actually had the event happening 200 years ago. So, I mean, in about maybe 50 to 100 years, another event could happen. I mean, they would be about due because the years were like 900 AD, 300 AD. So there were there is like a time, uh, 14, was it 1450 AD? So, I mean, it could happen. So we'll be long dead, but maybe like Nick Cage or Vanna White will still be here and they'll have to worry about it. Oh, yeah. Hopefully Vanna White is uh, nowhere near New Madrid in 150 years when the <laughs> when the earthquake pops off again. But What about uh, San Francisco? That was how big of a difference? That was less than 100 years. Yeah, that was 1906 to 1989. That was, I mean, San Francisco's obviously had more earthquakes since then. Yeah. Those are just like two of the largest ones that they've had since people have been living there. So, I'd be- I mean, really... Maybe if something like that happens every 50 years, they might be doing 20. That's true. I mean, I feel like earthquakes kind of are unpredictable. And obviously they happen uh, all over the world or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there is, I don't know if there's any way you can test like how much like stress the plates are under. If that's any kind of way that they measure when an earthquake might happen. I think they just go with how active the plate is known to be. So it could be. Well, I mean, I would assume if they knew, like, how much stress the plates were under or whatever, they could kind of help predict when a tsunami's going to occur and evacuate the area, but they never seem to be able to do that, so I'm assuming it's kind of just, just pops off whenever it pops off, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're extremely hard to forecast. You might be able to forecast it out to, like, oh, in 10 years, this one's going to break up, or this one's going to shift, or do something like that. But you can't give a specific like date or an especially not a time for that kind of shit to happen. So you know what? Uh, speaking of like weird weather events, something that I heard I don't I haven't looked into it if it's like real true or not. But apparently tornadoes are like strictly an America thing. So which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you don't. Well, you do hear about tornadoes occurring like along with hurricanes and typhoons. But having an earthquake start like in the middle of a continent, yeah, you don't really hear about that anywhere else. No, it's uh, never really thought about that. No, I'm I'm just saying like apparently, you know, like tornadoes, you know, only happen in America, so or North America or whatever, which is uh, I always thought was kind of weird. Yeah, that is odd. Must be just like climate or something, and like the climate and the terrain, maybe how the country is just formed, how it's between two oceans like that. Or if you're like the people in 1812 in Missouri, it's God's punishment. It's goddamn witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) There was this guy, Barry Satiro. He was selling the snake oil. (laughs) I saw him rise up from a fissure. (laughs) I feel like you could see Barry Satiro spinning up like the Tasmanian devil and then creating a tornado and taking off. That would be crazy if when I was Googling the New Madrid fault, like I, there was an old like wood carving of him, like <laughs> just looking all shady as shit. <laughs> Who's that guy with reptilian skin in the back? Oh, we don't know. <laughs> it's whoever. Well, uh, Phil, I'm going to say this before we uh, start closing out here. The I think you brought to everybody's attention that earthquakes are crazy events and uh clearly they do a lot of weird shit you know to uh whoever they affect especially i think the one that occurred uh in missouri seems to have a lot of really weird shit that happened you know and that was such a such a big one jesus christ but uh uh but anyway um if anybody has ever experienced an earthquake and want to tell us about it where can they do that they can hit us up on uh, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. They can also get a hold of us on IG at subliminaldeceptionpodcast. Um, we hear from a lot of people and uh, get a lot of good feedback, so thank you all very much for that. We both have our own personal Instagram accounts. Mine's sdpodphil. Uh, I check it a little bit more now that I'm all shut in, and I actually do post to it, so take a look at that. Cody, you have a couple? Yeah, you can follow my personal one at uh, Cody Zabub. I, I I post somewhat. Uh, I feel like now that the coronavirus is kind of, you know, sweeping the world or whatever, uh, 
And I'm finding out a lot about greedy companies and greedy people. I've been posting a lot more about them because they infuriate me. But uh, yeah, so follow Cody's above. Uh, if you wanna, if you're into true crime, paranormal, and stuff like that, look up my other podcast, Bumble Bub Podcast, in your favorite pop- podcasting application. Uh, last thing we need you to do is to, to just log on iTunes and leave the show a five star review. It really helps us get exposed, helps us rise up on the charts. If you are a Spotify user, uh, just click the follow button. That's kind of their version of reviews. And then uh, you'll be updated every time we drop a new episode. So uh, thank you very much, Phil. You did a lovely job. And uh, otherwise, guys, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys.